Are you tired of stressing out about your marketing? Wondering how to boost your online presence, attract more clients, and become a go-to expert in your field? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Marketing Chat Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm a marketing strategist, podcast coach, and the best-selling author of the Podcast Launch Playbook. I'm here to help you get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. Today, I'm chatting with Chris Lalomia on why it's so important to have a business plan when building your business. Welcome, Chris. I am so happy to have you here today. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to get off and start sharing some knowledge. If oh, I have any. me too. Me too. <laughs> you absolutely do. I cannot wait to talk about business plans. This is so important. Yeah, I, it was for me. So before you started your company, The Trusted Toolbox, you got experience in various parts of business building, first working for Curtis Wright Flight Systems, then Accenture, and finally SunTrust, now Truist. Can you highlight some key points along that path that gave you business skills that you still use today? Yeah, I'll I'll hit a couple of them. One of the big things for me was I always wanted to run my own business. Uh, I always said that from the time I was 17, but I got my master's in mechanical engineering and went off to start making aerospace parts. Very sexy, right? Um, But I realized I wanted to get more into business. Uh, So then I went to work at Accenture. So my, what I learned at Curtis Wright, my first, that was my first job of actually supervising people eventually, but I was a manufacturing engineer. I had to learn more about uh, time management skills. Mm -hmm. I had a boss come up to me and say, Chris, we can tell you're a really smart guy, but until you can actually sit down and focus and get things done, I don't know if you're going to be very successful. So I went out and bought the seven habits of highly effective people, got through it. Uh, I was at three and a half habits for a long time, but eventually I got through them all. Uh, that really helped. Going to Accenture. Love that I, book. It is just the, yeah, those habits are fabulous. Powerful and there's, basics. Yes. There's, there's, no, there's no secret in there. If you read those, that was very helpful. So I bought all the way in. I had the Franklin Covey planner back in the day to date myself. Mm-hmm. This is you know, email was just starting to come around. So technology was not the biggest thing yet. Yeah, I had that too for years. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it was great. It was a great planning tool. It really helped get me organized. And and he was right. Uh, that did help propel me. I actually got promoted within Curtis Wright pretty early. Mm. Pretty excited about that. Got my first supervision position, but I always wanted to work on business. And I realized that I had no business skills. I, you know, I was very proud of myself that I went to school for six years from uh, engineering and I only took two business classes but I quickly realized all my bosses had MBAs or a lot of business knowledge. Mm. So I went and decided either I was going to go back and get an MBA or I was just going to go learn about business. So I went to work for Anderson Consulting at the time or now Accenture. What I learned there was the skill sets I thought I had were not the skill sets I really brought to the table. Mm. And I think if you take a good and analyze a good look at yourself and analyze your skills, you'll find that what I had was I had problem solving. I had large uh, problem solving. I had logical thought process. I was able to organize and look at a problem and then analyze it and figure it out. I thought my skills were I knew how to make gears for uh, airplanes so that people could land and take off, you know, for flaps. Mm. So I took those skills and I started working in banking. And that's where I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is um, a lot of people don't know this, but it is the hub of the financial centers here in the US. People yes. think it's New York or whatever. Mm. But at the time, uh, Nations Bank became Bank of America, and I was on that merger wagon helping them go through that. Mm. I learned a lot about banking and commercial sales and commercial processes uh, and really learned how to work with people, even if I wasn't their boss. A lot of times we have more influence over people than we think. 
and learning how to do it the right way and bring it bringing it through in a consult and consultative way is important. So I learned that skill there, which led me to SunTrust, where I was hired on after doing a consulting engagement. I was hired on to run commercial loan operations, mm-hmm. and there. I learned what it's like to actually lead a 400 person distributed workforce that didn't exactly think like you did, but you had to get your message out to these people. And right now our reputation hadn't looked too good. So we had to go through a major metaphor, meta, a change. I can't say that big word. We used to have that down. I'm just not as polished. Uh, so I learned how to manage those people through a change and, and manage better. So then I started investing in books like Peter Drucker and Patrick Lencioni and the teamwork and uh, really starting to figure out how to manage a large team uh, and really build those skills. But taking those skill sets and putting them in my toolbox, as it were, uh, I realized I still wanted to start my own business. Mm. And so I I leveraged those skill sets to start my business. And and here I am today. Wow. So why then the business that you started? Yeah, that's a great question. This wasn't the first business uh, that I thought of. I had made up my mind I was going to start my business. I, I had uh, risen to a pretty nice level at SunTrust. I, I had that, that that job that people covet. I had a corner office. I had parking garage space. I had the 400 mm-hmm. people working for me, but I just wasn't happy and I'd had it. And I said, that's it, man. I'm out of here. I, you know, I just can't stand it anymore. The politics were too much. The corporate zoo was driving me nuts. Mm-hmm. And I, I told my wife, I said, I'm done. And she went, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang yeah, because I mean, that's kind of a dream job it. for a lot of people. Right. And it, and it was uh, for many people outwardly looking at now, inwardly looking out, I, I was, uh, I was a miserable person. I wasn't mm-hmm. very fun to be around. I'm a pretty outgoing, fun loving guy. And I, I was actually totally withdrawn and, and buying into that corporate mold of be stoic, be responsive, you got to make mm-hmm. sure that people respect you and, and never really show your true self. And I did that. So I actually analyzed a number of businesses and had a jumping off point in my head of April of 2008. And now this was in fall of 2006. And so I gave myself a year and a half uh, to kind of work it out. Wow. I analyzed a couple different um, businesses. I actually went to SCORE, um, which is part mm-hmm. of the Small Business Administration, got the business planning template, used the business planning template to help me evaluate businesses and determine what I was doing. At the time in 06 and 07, valuations on companies were a little too big. Uh, I think people uh, weren't willing to really see true value of their business. So I couldn't buy one. I, I was mm. going to try to buy a business and, and see if I couldn't leverage my skill sets to scale it. Mm. Uh, so I tried a couple and it didn't work out. And then I had one guy just tell me in the back of his uh, back of his house on his deck after I was giving him ideas for his basement. He said, why don't you start a company called 1-800-CALL-CHRIS? We all call you for... <laughs> business for home stuff. And we know you're a business guy, but you love working on people's houses. You know, you have some fun with it and you love giving ideas and he's right. That's always been my fun mm. uh, is outside of the house or outside of work. I was working on houses and uh, had worked on a number of them growing up and, and uh, owning my own. And I realized at the time uh, taking the book, you know, the world is flat uh, mm-hmm. knowing that I couldn't get my business outsourced and yeah. having come from the world of banking where outsourcing was becoming more and more prevalent. I said, Hey, you can't outsource working on houses and I like doing it. So, and I started looking around and see, there's a lot of franchise concepts in there. Mm. I said, you know, if I can come up with a better way to do it, then I can go ahead and get going into the business. So I use that, uh, the business planning tool, the, the template that is the business plan. I use that to help me use mentors to go out there and find out ideas and ask them pointed questions in certain areas to get good answers back. Um, I felt, I still feel like I did a 
good job uh, with the business planning, um, but I didn't do a great job. One of the things I learned in a big way is when you start to build a business plan, entrepreneurs will share information with you. In corporate America, we aren't as willing to share as much because, you know, that's our, that's our secret sauce. That's our right. gold. That's what provides value to people, mm-hmm. but entrepreneurs are willing to share. Yes. And I, I have yet to find one that won't just share things with me. And I'm the same way with other people today after 14 years of being in business as an entrepreneur. Very true. So many entrepreneurs though, don't start out with a business plan, unfortunately. So how did you know that you needed one? I mean, that's the first thing you went out and got that business plan template. Yeah. For, for me, it was, it was an intuitive way to do this. Uh, that was going to help me keep uh, structured in my mm-hmm. thought process, because when you think about a business and break it down, first, you have to uh, attract a market. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to figure out which market you're going to serve. Then you're going to figure out how to advertise to that market. Then you're going to figure out how to convert that market into a customer. And then you're going to figure out how to operationalize or do whatever you do. And then, of course, the back end, the HR and the other processing. That helped me kind of put it in blocks. Mm -hmm. So I went and found somebody who worked at the Cartoon Network here in Atlanta uh, Mm -hmm. and asked him about marketing and advertising. And he helped me with my logo called the Trusted Toolbox. Mm -hmm. And I went and talked to another person, again, all outside of the handyman business, Mm because I didn't want to talk to entrepreneurs who are in the business, Mm -hmm. thinking that they wouldn't share. And that was a, um, that was probably a big miss uh, that -hmm. I had to overcome. But I was able to go get other people who are in other home service businesses to tell me how do they operationalize? What kind of CRM system did they use? Can you, can you do it without a CRM system? And I went and met with my CPA about financials and how to track mm-hmm. it and how to keep it simple. So I think it was intuitive to you with your engineering background. All of Probably that is so. not, in, it's not intuitive to everyone. Hmm. It's just not. Yeah. And that's uh, one of the things I learned a lot at Accenture is that that having different people around you with different mindsets and upbringings, mm-hmm. diversity really makes a better decision. Mm-hmm. And that's why if you're all looking the same and acting the same and act and you're all trained the same way, you don't come up with the best answer. Right. Uh, and so that's one thing I did learn about my engineering background is that you're, I, I guess you're right. I didn't think about it like that, but, uh, but when you work with somebody who is an English major or a poli sci major or international affairs major, and we were working at Accenture together and there's conflict in a team, but that conflict, what happens? You get a better answer. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the re- the other reason I, I brought the business plan out was so I could go out there and start asking people questions instead of just saying, hey, you think it's a good idea? Because when I did, everybody say, oh, man, slam dunk. Everybody needs mm-hmm. a handyman. Oh, everybody needs help in their house. Well, it's not a slam dunk. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it's still really hard work. Yeah. And that's so true. That's one thing I've always loved about Accenture. You know, when I first knew him, it was yeah Anderson Consulting, is that they hire such a variety of people with so many different backgrounds, not only you know MBAs, but all different backgrounds, you know, all different majors and master's degrees. And that is so important, like you said, because that variety of thought and the variety of perspectives makes a much better team. Absolutely. You get a better answer. Uh, I, I've yet to see that not come true. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to work within a team and realize that maybe you don't all see eye to eye in the beginning, and the answer isn't just A plus B equals C, you have to, mm-hmm. you know, as an engineer, that's what we were taught, mm-hmm. that sometimes you have to kind of go around and be a little more circuitous, but you are going to get a better, more robust answer. True. So 
many, or, you know, I think most of my listeners are small business owners, solo entrepreneurs, or, you know, they have a small team as opposed to, you know, like full-time employees. And so I think particularly for us, you know, throw myself into that group, starting out with a business plan, again, is not intuitive because like, okay, I don't have a brick and mortar store. Um, or it's just myself, why do I need a business plan? And I went to business school for a year. And so I did start out with a business plan because it was drilled into me. You have to have one. I started out with a marketing plan because it was drilled into me. You have to have one. But again, for so many people, it, it's not. It, they just start or they start with the basics of a plan. So why is it so important? It's so important because even as I, you know, again, it's not trying to get the best paper out of this. You're, you're, again, you talked about going to school and, and getting your MBA or, or going to, to, this isn't turning in a term paper and having some professor say, oh, that feels like an A paper. That's thick mm -hmm. enough. Good job. It was the process that I went through of building up mentors and people who were bought into helping me be successful. I had 10 different people I talked to about this. So as I leapt in, I started out with a friends and family program. I just I didn't do any advertising. I just wanted to try it out and kind of do a soft launch, but I had mm -hmm. no less than 60 people who were ready for me to help, you know, have them work in their house as it started. Mm. Wow. And then, you know, as Mike Tyson said, everybody has a great plan till they get hit in the nose. Mm. Uh, well, I started in 2008 and that was the start mm. of the recession and yeah. I didn't know that was coming. So mm -hmm. I got hit. Uh, and while I have a recession resistant business, it's not mm -hmm. recession proof. And I had to manage through that. And it took, it put me back about a year in my business plan about what I did, but I kept that document and I kept it alive and I kept going back to it. And I started looking at it, even after a year, I looked at it again and I said, wow, I'm, I'm not even doing one of the things I said I was going to do mm -hmm. in terms of operationalizing and making things happen. So I went back and updated that business plan, but it also helped me keep my head above water. So when you mm -hmm. get in you start digging, you're just rumbling, bumbling, stumbling, you're going through everything, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're, you're running a hundred miles an hour and you don't take a okay, stop, mm. relax. All right, go back and look at that business plan for a minute. Are you doing what you said you were going to do? And did it perform like you thought? Mm. And after three years, I still use, I kept updating the business plan every year to look at it. After three years, I was able to say, okay, these marks I'm hitting well, this one I'm not. And this one was net profit. Mm. I wasn't that good. In fact, I was really bad. I'm like, what the heck's going on here? Mm. And then I took my pro forma to somebody who I learned that an entrepreneur who will share uh, this guy at the time had a $5 million a year business, just recently sold his business at a $45 million top line revenue number. Wow. And, and he took me under his wing and he started asking me questions. And with me giving honest answers, I was able to get real honest feedback about, yeah, man, you're not doing this right. You've got mm -hmm. to change your pricing. Your, your cost structure is too high for the pricing you're doing. And I had to raise my, my uh, pricing structure. And that's, that's 0910. We're starting mm -hmm. to come out of the recession. So I was able to do it at the time yeah. because uh, again, people were starting to get back to work and things were happening, but yeah. without that business plan, I don't know if I would have had the wherewithal to stop, breathe and have somebody else look at this and go, Hey man, fresh perspective. Why don't you think mm -hmm. about that? True. And that really is key there to have someone else look at it. What would they look at? I mean, you could sit and have a conversation with someone, but people are busy. It's much easier to be able to show them a document or open to a few pages in a document than sit there and just try to explain everything that's, you know, amorphous. 
So my, my number one thing, and I tell this to a lot of young people too, be interesting because if mm. you're interesting and you're interested in them as a person, they're going to give you more back. Mm -hmm. So always try to be interesting, but you're right. How did I get that? My valuation was wrong. I showed him the three big buckets that drive my costs and the top line revenue and my net number. And he was able to very quickly, because he looks at his all the time, he was very quickly able to show me that the revenue I'm charging with the cost structure I have, it was not going to get the net number that I was looking for. Mm. And I was like, oh boy, yeah. I don't, I don't think a lot of people could have done that, but I knew he mm -hmm. could. And, but by me going to buy his lunch and putting that piece of paper in front of him, he was able yeah. to analyze it and five minutes later, be able to start giving me opinions. That's awesome. Yeah. Maintaining those relationships, having strong relationships with people, having it be reciprocal. Yep. That's reciprocal also is so good. important. Yep. Mm -hmm. Going back and forth for sure. You know, cause a lot of times, you know, mentors, what's the definition of that? Uh, a mentor is uh, somebody who gives you free advice. Well, mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't want to think about us just giving out free things, free right. advice, but if we can go back and forth and learn from each other. Right. Um, and so I'm not sure what I was able to do for him other than have him go, wow, I remember what it was like to be like you. Yeah. <laughs> but, Very true. I but think, stay interesting. Know, yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and be grateful and appreciative, show appreciation because yeah, I think mentors really do enjoy helping people who were, who are where they have been, but we can't take it for granted. Exactly. Right. I, I, I get more joy out of, um, you know, I, I run this uh, thing in the summers called summer, a summer entrepreneurship program, because I'll have a number of, uh, college age kids who come back and work as helpers with us at our business. And I also have an intern once a year to help us with um, social media and other stuff. And so I've got a nucleus and then I ask other people. So we usually have 10 to 15 kids. And one of the things I, I say is that I sometimes get more energy out of that two hour, every couple of weeks during the summer than I get out of anything uh, oh, wow. because they reciprocate back and say, Hey, Mr. L, that was awesome. Thank you so much for that meeting. Oh my gosh, that was great advice, man. I did that. And now I've got an internship and I'm, I'm going to go be working at uh, ENY next summer, which is a oh, true wow. story. And I'm like, ah, that's awesome, man. Way to go. That's great. Fantastic. So what are some of your tips to use a business plan? I mean, what goes into it? Are you bought a template for it? Where do people start? So starting with score, that's free. Um, yeah. You know, I would say, don't try to get too complicated. Again, I was a paper guy. Uh, I'm, I'm still a pretty big Excel jockey and I can, I can work myself around outlook pretty easy, but mm -hmm. don't get too complicated in it. Um, put it in basic building blocks. Think about people who can help you. What makes you unique in the marketplace? How's your mm -hmm. advertising going to work? And the other thing I did was I built a functional org chart. Uh, and that was uh, day one. And I, I actually put this in my book called From the Zoo to the Wild. It's the name of the book. I put this in my book and I said, look, here's my functional order chart. And guess who filled every box on day one? Me. I was the president. Wow. I was the, I was our marketing person. I was mm -hmm. our CSR. I was our estimator. I was our lead technician. I was our helper. I was our bookkeeper. I was our financial analyst. I was HR. I was all of it. But by having that functional order chart, as soon as I got into the business and started to grow, I knew which part I had to give up first. And I hired a CSR right off the bat because I knew I couldn't be in the office if I had, if I was going to be in the field talking with everybody. Yeah. And I, I gave love up the sales that. last. Yeah. Yeah. 
love that. So I think solo entrepreneurs wouldn't even go, wouldn't even start with an org chart because they're like, well, I do everything. Okay. But how do you know what you need to stop doing? what you need to give up and hire out or outsource or, you know, even hire a VA for, unless you've written down all of those functions first. That's, that was key for me um, because along the lines, you know, I, I don't have it all figured out. I've been doing this for 14 years and I'm still figuring things out, but it was key because you just hit on that. There, there are things we do. Let's face it. I don't want to do them. I don't right. want to, after I hang up, stop talking with you, go back and work on my QuickBooks and reconcile last month, but I'm working with a bookkeeper and, and we're transitioning to a new one and I got to step in and do it. I hate it, mm -hmm. but I'll do it. Uh, yeah. But I knew that that was a function that that was not the best and highest use of my time. I'm going to hire right. somebody to do that. As a solopreneur, right. what are you doing day in and day out? Because frustrating part can be, we tend to do what we love to do and we put off the things we don't want to do. Yeah. And then we slog through them. But you just hit on it, you know, that the use of a VA, which I didn't even think of in the beginning, um, mm -hmm. is a great and helpful tool. Yeah. Or we end up, yeah, like you said, getting bogged down in all of those tasks that we hate doing, spend too much time on those tasks, and then don't spend enough time on revenue generating tasks, the things exactly. that we really should be doing. So, I got some advice from a guy one time said, do it till it hurts. And then, you know, you have to give it up. And oh. I, I usually go a little too far with the hurt, but uh, eventually I got there. And that's why it shouldn't I, make you sick. Not that right, much hurting. <laughs> right. A little tensed up. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. usually, I usually went about a month long because I was too cheap, but I learned yeah. uh, because that's the hard part. Because what we're saying is, Hey, go out and off, uh, uh, outsource this. Well, that means I got to pay somebody else my hard earned money. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You do. And that's called scaling. Because if yeah. everything could be done with robots, you would do it. If everything could be done with efficiencies, you will try it. But eventually, for me, especially in the home services business of remodeling and handyman work here in Atlanta, I need people. I, to mm -hmm. scale, I just flat out need people and I need to learn how to manage them. Absolutely. And once you've hired someone or outsourced something, then what do you do with that extra time? You can spend it on revenue generating activities. Right. I, I get Another piece of advice a guy had. Uh, for me was, um, you know, we're going to make this shift to this new platform and this CRM system is going to be a quite a bit more expensive. Mm -hmm. And his partner said, well, it's going to be um, probably going to cost us about 50,000 to go transition. And then the the run rate, he said, okay, so I just got to go sell three more remodeling jobs. Got it gone. I said, I'm going to go work on that. You go make it happen. I'll go get that 50 grand. <laughs> wow. And they did it. That's yeah, awesome. it was great. That's awesome. Fabulous. Okay. So what else, what other tips do you have for listeners about building yeah. a business with a business plan? And I think the business plan is a living document. Um, I don't update it as much uh, now, 14 years into it, because now mm -hmm. I, I really need to communicate with my team, uh, mm -hmm. starting to leverage some of those skill sets I had of running a 400 person team. Uh, got to put a little bit more in writing, a little bit more goal setting, a little bit more mm -hmm. coaching and management. And that's where our goals are really now that's where the business plan really is living mm -hmm. is in the that strategic meeting that I have each year. And then I give quarterly updates and that's really where it's living today. And yeah. we follow a, we follow the EOS system uh, with quarterly rocks and activities and, and goal mm -hmm. setting. But I would tell you the, the, the thing that I would tell everybody is that as you scale a business, solopreneur or small team, it is not linear growth, linear mm -hmm. profit. It is not linear net. It's not all linear. As you go up, 
you may have to do an investment, which means you may not be making as much as you'd like right now. But if you can see that investment and then prove that that investment paid off after a certain amount of time, then you did the right thing. And so for me, it's kind of been up, level, up, level, up, down, yeah. and then back up again. <laughs> Very true. So what you just said about the business plan being a living document, and earlier you mentioned revisiting it and rewriting it at one point. That is so true. The business plan can evolve over time. You very well may have to revisit it and, and update it, uh, rewrite parts of it. And that's fine. I think too often we think of it as being set in stone. Like we write it once and we have to follow it. and Or write it once and forget about it. Because oh, yeah. I actually, that's the worst. actually went back. Like I said, I went back and started reading. I'm like, oh yeah, I wrote that. Oh my God, mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. Come mm -hmm. on, man. If you wrote it, you better do it. So yeah. I went back and started implementing uh, some more things. And what I did with my updates is I just put the date and I'd use all caps or italics and say, okay, updated. Um, my four avatars I had in marketing when I first started, um, those stayed pretty strong, but the mm -hmm. vehicles I was using, uh, I continually was evolving because when I started my business, Google wasn't Google yet. Yeah. And the internet was there, but it was a tool. It wasn't a primary source of lead generation. Mm -hmm. There was today. no Instagram. There was no Instagram. Facebook had just started because I know I started yep. my Facebook account right when they came out. And yep. that's right when I started my business. But I use uh, social media quite a bit with the Trusted Toolbox, with the Home Service Institute, my other business. And then me personally with my Chris Lalamia brand, just putting out there about who I am and what I do, Instagram and Facebook. And, and now I'm dabbling in TikTok um, mm. because these are the mediums that are out there. Yeah. But but guess what? We're not in anymore, right? You and I are both not in the phone book. And yeah. for those listening, if you don't remember what those things were, those are those big hunks of big pieces of paper that you put in the shelf somewhere or the pantry or next to your refrigerator. Yeah. When I started, I was told, Chris, you have got to buy a big ad in telephone books. And I had another guy said, dude, I think those things are going away. And I said, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So I bought the one listing that got my name in there, the trusted toolbox on repairs. That's it. And never looked back. And I knew guys who were dropping tens and thousands, tens and twenties of thousands of dollars a month to do that. So you got to know your vehicles. That's for sure. And then operations, uh, it's mm -hmm. the, it's the mundane stuff, but you got to keep an eye on, get a couple in the beginning, keep it simple, keep it simple because that's how you're going to watch your numbers. You're going to watch your revenue. You're going to watch your net. And in between, you're going to watch your cost of goods sold and what you're doing to acquire. Mm -hmm. After that, I mean, the rest of it, you know, kind of will start to work itself out. Find your big levers and focus on those. That's great. That's like um, Stephen Covey's big rocks going right. in first. Yep. Got to throw the big rocks in first and then mm -hmm. the, you can you can start sweating the small stuff later. But yeah. that's also hard to do. Again, you're out there, man. I, 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 I was doing it. I'm rumbling, bumbling, stumbling. I'm going the wrong way. And that's where the business plan has been able to knock me back. So I do have quarterly checkpoints with my team. That forces me to sit down and look at my numbers. And then look at the results and then hold my team accountable to results. Mm -hmm. And that's where uh, now, after 14 years, I'm doing that. In the beginning, um, it was more about holding myself accountable to results. And that's where the business plan, if you're a solopreneur, gives you that opportunity and that checkpoint. That's great. Love it. So is there anything else I didn't ask you about that you would like to say before I ask you about your podcast and your book? Yeah. You know, the one thing um, that I'm actually uh, embracing is 
one thing that's really helped me in my business is that I didn't scale just to be big for bigger sake. I actually scaled, got bigger and I got better. Mm. Now the joke is when Chris is involved in the process at the trusted toolbox, things are probably going to go the wrong way because he wants to get his hands on everything and be the mad scientist. So I just let these guys do their thing and we've actually gotten better. We've actually mm. improved our service rating in Google over these years. Uh, we've been, been able to put more throughput. We were able to get more profitability by having the team do what they got to do. So set it and forget it doesn't work. But also if you don't empower your folks and your team to grow and do these things, you want it bigger is not better. Better is better. And if you can get bigger and better at the same time, then things are great. That's awesome. Very good point there. So tell us about your podcast first. All right. So it's called the small business safari. I have a co-host, uh, Alan Wyatt and I have known each other for years and he's an entrepreneur as well. And we bring people in and talk about, um, in the beginning, the first uh, season, we talked about my book and it was him and I basically kicking it around here in the podcast. We like to drink a few beers and spew some knowledge and have some fun. And then we started to bring in guests. Now we love bringing in local guests because it's always more fun. You get more energy, right? When you're in, in with people, but also bringing in people who we think are going to help share some knowledge with our listenership. And that is people who are either thinking about making that leap from the corporate zoo to the entrepreneurial wild world of owning your own business, or you're looking to scale a small business up. Mm -hmm. And sp specifically, a lot of our focus has been in the home services world, which is what I know best. Yeah. Wonderful. And your book? So I, I wrote the book. Uh, it was fun because I always joked about it. I said, all right, I'm going to write a book. And the truth is I had to write a master's thesis in my mechanical engineering uh, master's program. And at one point I was one of three English speakers in my, uh, in, in our uh, master's program. And my advisor gave me back, I, I submitted my thesis to him and he stopped and he said, I'm page five. I'm stopping here. This is gobbledygook. Go to the writing center and learn to write. No. So I always joke that, you know what, someday I'm going to write a book. And somebody oh. said, you know what? I think you should. So I just started putting stuff down at night, putting in a word document, just started typing and typing and typing and typing. And the next thing I know, I had 60 pages written down. Um, and then I wrote this book and it's called From the Zoo to the Wild. And it was my journey. You know, I was in the corporate zoo and um, it's a pretty easy read. Uh, it talks about um, the process I went through to build the plan and, and, to, and to make that leap because it's still tough. I mean, when you're right there on the edge, get ready to make that jump and lose 401k and you're losing benefits and you're losing all these options and all this other security, if you will. Yeah. Um, it's hard. And then when I got out there, I learned a lot of lessons. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I stubbed my, my nose a lot. And mm -hmm. I talk about the journey I went from to eventually get to where I am now. And that is, I really feel like I'm in the training business. I'm really not a remodeler or a handyman. And I am really training these guys to work on customer service skills and the technical skills required to get into what we do in our business. Mm, that's awesome. What a cool perspective to have of that. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it was, it was, uh, it was hard. And I know you have just published a book too, and I'd be interested in your thoughts, but you know, again, I didn't know what I was jumping into. Um, I actually put a pause on, I was getting ready to do it. COVID hit and I didn't know what was going to happen. And then we finally got back on our feet. It didn't take us very long here in the Georgia market to get back into homes and start working. So I said, all right, I'm ready to do it. But that was a hard process. I was getting up at 430 in the morning. And then you're having to read and really get into the details. And, you know, is your voice coming through like you want it to? It, boy, it was really hard. I don't know what you thought, but I'm not going to write number two. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I love writing. This is actually um, not my first. And yeah, once you have a topic that you feel passionate about, it kind of flows. For well, that's me. good. Anyway, maybe it'll I, happen I one do day love for me, writing. But it, but it was tough. It was tough yeah. for me. I had, yeah. I have lots of good ideas and I love talking to people, but when it came to actually making sure I was putting the right T's and the I's in the mm-hmm. right places, and I did uh, have somebody help me uh, write it. Oh, that's but, great. Yeah, yeah, that. so I actually sound a lot smarter than I really am in the book. So if you want to go out there and check it out from the zoo to the wild, it will definitely be a, a smarter read than if it was just me writing it. <laughs> oh, so it's on Amazon? It is available on right. Amazon and paperback. Um, I didn't lay down the audio yet. I was going to have somebody help me do that, but yeah. I probably am just going to go ahead and um, read it myself. I was cool. told you shouldn't, but I think I can pull it off now. I've heard mixed things about that because oh, really? I I think a lot of people love hearing it from the author. All right. Yeah. Well, because because I, I got I get I get because I was just fresh off of writing it, and then I started listening to a podcast that said if you're if you like sitting in a room for eight hours a day uh, rereading things and reading things over and over that you wrote, then this job's for you. I'm like, no, no, no. Oh, I'm, oh okay. Well, that. but I think the audience likes hearing it from the author. If you've got a good voice and you do, you host a podcast. So you're used right. to doing this. All right. Now, I'm going to do it. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you want to or should, you know, you need to think about that because yeah, it's a lot of reading. Yeah. I got to think about it. Um, yeah. But but it's editable, obviously, <clears throat> you know, so if you sit there and you make a mistake, you just pause and you move on and it gets edited out. So yeah. Yeah. Mine is not easy to turn into an audio book. I mean, I can, but it's more of an instruction manual on how to start a podcast. So yeah. All right. Well, that's pretty cool. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to go find it because uh, with my podcast, I, I love to get more listenership. And I think the uh, content that we have and the people we've had on have been really amazing. Yeah. Some of the guests. And even if I don't get the listenership, somebody asked me about that and said, well, have you monetized your podcast? I'm like, well, no, not really. Uh, but have I learned how to run my business better? Yeah. I mean, some of the people who come in have given me ideas. And I'm like, oh, that's a really good thought. Oh, boy, I, yeah, I'm going to put that in. And sure enough, I've done things and learned from people. So a couple hours, every couple of weeks we do it. Um, right now, here we are, you know, fall of 22. Um, we're booked out right now through uh, November, which is pretty cool. Um, so. Yeah. So we, and we have fun with it. He loves coming awesome. down and doing it. He gets his, uh, yeah, actually I, sometimes I make him even bring the beer. So even sometimes he's paying. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It sounds like a lot of fun. So y'all be sure to check that. I will put the link in the show notes and on this episode's page on my website. I'll put the link to the book on Amazon as well and to the trusted toolbox. All right. So That's people awesome. will be able to find you everywhere. Yep. I'm out there trying to put myself out there as much as I can and uh, having fun with it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Chris. This was fabulous. I really appreciate it. All right. I enjoyed this too. It's a lot of fun. I actually got a ton of energy. I'm ready to rock and roll. Me too. I love it. And thank you all for being here today. Uh, Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I'll be back in a few days. So I'll see you next time on the Marketing Chat Podcast.